Well, uh, we're turning this evening to Acts chapter 26. We'll bring a word, and then we'll, we'll sing another hymn, and then we'll have the review of the year, and then uh, get down to the time of prayer. But Acts chapter 26, the Lord direct my thoughts here, and we will uh, break in uh, to this really narrative and discourse of the Apostle Paul. Verse 15, we'll read through to verse 23. So Acts 26 and verse 15. So let's hear the word of the Lord. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in, in the which I will appear unto thee delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem, and throughout all the coasts of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, and do works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple, and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue on to this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Amen. And we'll end at verse 23. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer, please. Let's unite together. Eternal God and gracious and loving Father, we thank thee for the open book. We thank thee, Lord, that we come together round to hear what God would have to say. And Lord, I pray it be a blessing unto your people. I pray it be a challenge to us, O God. I pray, O oh God, it will edify us and, uh, Lord, continue to lead us, uh, Lord, even in the way that we are to go. We thank Thee for Thy mercy to us. We thank Thee that Thou art the faithful God, Thou art the unchanging and the unchangeable God. And therefore, Lord, it gives us every confidence to once again cry to Thee. And, Lord, I pray that Thou would forgive me of my sin, that Thou would wash me in the Redeemer's blood. And, Lord, by faith I take and I ask for the promised Holy Ghost. And so, Father, I pray that you would help, Lord, give help to the hearing, give help in the preaching, and we pray that all be done to the glory and the honor of thy great name. So hear us now and shut out every distracting thought, for this we ask in the Savior's precious and his worthy name. Amen. Acts 26 records for us Paul's defense before Agrippa. And though the apostle stood before Roman tribunal in defense of his life, he seized the opportunity to tell both the court and his accusers what God had done for him and in him by his free and sovereign grace. And in the 32 verses of this chapter, he really gives a personal word of testimony. And he has the three key components of giving a testimony. The before he was a Christian, and we find that in verses 4 to 11, then uh, the how he became a Christian, and we have that in verses 12 to 18, and then the after that he was a Christian in verses 19 to 23. And of course, the central pivot around which a life is turned 180 degrees is an encounter with the living Christ. 
Now, personal testimonies are one of the most influential tools that the Holy Ghost uses in the work of evangelism. And we should all pray for the opportunity to share our personal testimony with someone else. It doesn't have to be long. If we consider the portion that we have before us, a couple of minutes, and you could read through all that Paul says here, and yet he packs so much into this discourse before the court and Agrippa. Now, when anyone gives their testimony, they need to keep in mind that the object is not so much to give testimony of themselves about how bad they were, where, or about really how much they have done, but rather it's a testimony to the goodness, to the grace, and the faithfulness of the Lord. And that's what the Apostle Paul does here. He tells us elsewhere that he was what he was by the grace of God, and he was enabled to do what he did by the grace of God. And here he's able to look back, he's able to make a, rebu- a review and attribute that what he was and what he had done to the Lord. And he does that especially in verse 22 that I want us to consider this evening. He says, Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue on to this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should Come, and we're going to look at this verse under the heading, Help Obtained to Maintain. Help Obtained to Maintain. Now, firstly, consider with me, and we have here Paul's acknowledgement. Now, at this time, by Acts 26, it was above 20 years since Paul was converted. And all that time, he had been very busy preaching the gospel. And it was because of that, he was often under the threat a constant threat and danger. When he was at Lystra, they stoned him, and they left him for dead outside the city. When he was at Corinth, when he was in Berea, when he was in Ephesus, he faced persecution. He provides for us a list of his sufferings in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and lately he had faced danger in Jerusalem, which he tells the court about in verse 21. He says, "'For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple,' and went about to kill me. Now, what was it that got him out of these situations? What was it that bore him up in the midst of all his trouble and his trial? Where did his help come from? Well, he tells us very plainly and clearly in the opening of verse 22, having therefore obtained help of God. It wasn't his own strength. It wasn't his own determination. It wasn't his own resolve. It wasn't by his own power or by the power of another man that he had been preserved. It was because God had intervened and God had rescued him. It was God who had helped him. And even though in Jerusalem, yes, we could say it was the chief captain of the Romans, a man called uh, Lysus, he had came and rescued Paul from the angry mob. The apostle, he traces the help he received to the higher hand of God. He acknowledges that it is the Lord who has helped them. Now, there is no doubt that you nor I will face, I would say, half of what the Apostle Paul faced. There's none of us that could even do a fraction of what this man did. There's none of us, I dare say, and I would say I'm correct, we've ever faced a threat of death, a threat of death upon our lives because of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But with that said, each one of us can look back and say, 
we have obtained help of God. God has helped you personally. And He has helped us collectively in the year gone by. And we ought to acknowledge that this evening. And one way we acknowledge that is, of course, by prayer. Now, Paul did it publicly here. He said it in the midst of the court. Having, therefore, obtained help of God. There's many of you, and in your sorrow and suffering, you have been able to prove that God has been your refuge and strength. He's been a very present help in your trouble. Now, this is the only place in the New Testament that we find the use of this word, help. It's a word that originally meant alliance or ally. It's a word that means to come to assist, to come to give aid, to come to succor. And Paul could testify that many, many times it was the Lord who helped him. He wrote to Timothy about the Lord's assistance while he was in Ephesus in 2 Timothy 5 and the verses 17 and 18. What did he say there? It wasn't someone else that came to help him, because all men forsook him. But he said this, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God had helped his servant in this way, just as he had promised he would help him. Just as he promised he would deliver him. If you go back to verse 17 in this chapter 26, and we have extra details concerning Paul's and surrounding Paul's conversion on the Damascus road that we don't have in Acts chapter 9. And there the Lord told him in verse 17 that he would deliver him from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. And God was true to his word. God had helped him. God had assisted him. God had aided him just as he said he would. And the Lord has promised. He has promised to help his people. We have the choicest promise of his help, I believe, in Isaiah 41 and the verse 10. How many people have delighted in that great promise from the Lord? Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. I will withhold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And you know, no matter what you and I have to face this year, no matter what this congregation has to face this year. We can expect to obtain the help of God. No matter what labor you engage in for him this year, child of God, you can expect to obtain his help. Matthew Henry, he made this comment, those who are employed in the work of God shall obtain help from God. For he will not be wanting in necessary assistances to his servants. You will not find God wanting. If he has promised to help, you can expect to obtain the help that you need. And we will find that as help for whatever situation we face, it will be suitable and seasonable. For we will get the help, what help we need, when we need it. If it's help to resist temptation, you will get that help when the temptation comes. 
If it's help to bear up under a trial, you again will get that special help when that trial comes. If it's help to teach a Sunday school class, to bring a Bible lesson, a memory verse, a quiz, to testify in the ladies' fellowship, whatever it might be, to play for the first time, maybe in a youth fellowship meeting, the piano or the organ in church, whatever it might be, you and I can expect the help of God that's suitable and seasonable. Because God has promised it. You see, we can lift up our eyes beyond the hills. And we don't even have to ask the question, from whence cometh our help? Because we know our help that cometh from the Lord, which made the heaven and the earth. You know, the word tells us that the Lord has laid help and refuge for His people upon one that is mighty. He has given that help that we need into the hands of the mediator. And we obtain, we receive that help by and through Christ Jesus. Because it's through Him we can approach the throne of grace. And there we can obtain mercy and find help in the time of need. We're in need of help. I know as a preacher of this congregation, I'm in desperate need of God's help. But you know, I can say like Paul, having obtained the help of God. And so can you, child of God. You can make that acknowledgement. God has helped you. And God will help you. Secondly, Paul's abiding. A slightly shorter point. It was because Paul had obtained the help of the Lord, he was able to go on and say, I continue unto this day. It was only because of the Lord's help and the Lord's intervention that Paul was still alive and that Paul was there in front of Agrippa and Festus and he was able to testify of God's goodness to him. It was David, if you want to turn to that Psalm 128. It's only by the Lord that you and I continue, yes, even exist, unto this day. Psalm 128, one of the songs of degrees. And this is what David says, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then they had swallowed us up quick, when the wrath was kindled against us. But the Lord is on the side of His people. The Lord helps His people, and therefore they continue unto this day. God's a preserver of His people. And this was the case with Paul. God had preserved his life physically, but all God was also the preserver of his life spiritually. It was the grace of God that enabled Paul to persevere and abide as he did. One man, he made this comment. It's one thing to have a great beginning with visions and voices, but it's quite another to keep on going, especially when the going gets tough. The fact that Paul continued was proof of his conversion and evidence of the faithfulness of God, that God had helped him, that God had given him grace, that God had supported him. You know, considering what the Apostle Paul faced, it would have been easy, humanly speaking, it would have been easy for him not to continue, to pack it in, to drop out of the race, to just give up. 
but he obtained the help of God, and so he continued unto that very day. Now, the Greek word for continue, we're hearing about continuing on Sunday morning. But this word here, it means to cause to stand, to remain in place or to abide. And Paul was abiding in the faith and he was abiding in his calling. He was still standing for the truth even after all that he had faced because of God's help. And he was encouraging others to do so. He wrote to those at Ephesus and he said to them, stand. Having done all, stand. He wrote to those at Philippi to stand fast. But this is not something that they could do apart from the Lord. And you and I can't do it. We can't abide without the help of the Lord. But Paul makes that clear in both those epistles. It's by and in the Lord that we stand, we abide. You see, there is saving grace. There is serving grace. There is sufficient grace and sustaining grace, but there is standing grace. You see, the Christian's confidence to abide, it's not in their own ability to persevere. It's not. But their confidence rests on the power of Christ to sustain them by His grace and by the merits of His ever-living intercession. We are kept by the power of God. That's why we abide. He helps us. He gives grace. The only reason why you and I have not given up and packed it in in the work of God is because we have obtained the help of the Lord. That's the only reason. Paul was preserved. He was upheld so that his spared life would be employed for a specific purpose. And it's the same for us. That's why we're here. That's why we continue on to this day. And that brings me to my last point, Paul's activity. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue on to this day, witnessing both the small and great, saying on other things, and those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. The one word that best summarizes Paul's life and ministry is witnessing. Witnessing. There are those who claim to be the Lord's witnesses. You know the false cult, the name they take. But they are false witnesses concerning the person of the Lord. But the Lord did say in both the Old and the New Testament that His people would be His witnesses. Three times in the prophecy of Isaiah, He says to them, Ye are my witnesses. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Lord Jesus speaking to His disciples, He says that they would be His witnesses. They would witness for Him unto all those different regions that He mentions. Ye shall be witnesses unto Me. What is it to give witness? Well, it is to affirm to another what one has seen or heard or experienced or been taught through divine revelation or inspiration. And this is what Paul did according to the command of Christ. Go back to verse 16 again in, in uh, chapter 26. And we see that he witnessed in obedience to a command. 
For it says there, and here's more details that we don't really get in Acts chapter 9. He says, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. And witnessing is the activity that all God's children have been commissioned and commanded to do. And that is why God helps His people, as I said. That's why you continue on to stay. That's why you're here. You are here. I am here to be a witness for Christ, wherever that is. If it's home life, school life, work life, church life, that's why we're here. That is why you and I abide unto this day. That's why there's breath in our bodies. That's why Paul was standing before Agrippa and Festus. That's the only reason. That's what he says, having therefore obtained help of God, I continue on to this day witnessing straight into it. That's why. And that was Paul's activity. That should be our activity. Now there's three things concerning Paul's witness, just quickly, before we come to a close. We have the scope of his witnessing. He tells us that he witnesses both to small and great. See, Paul, he ignores all class distinctions. To the small he witnessed, to those in humble life, to the poor, the ignorant, the obscure. Like his master, the Lord Jesus, Paul did not despise them, but he regarded it a duty and a privilege to preach the gospel unto them. He also witnessed to the great, the rich, the noble, the kings, the princes, the governors. He had stood on Mars Hill at Athens there, and he preached to those men there. And here he is, he's in the court, he's before Agrippa and Festus, and he's making known Christ. And later he would do the same when he would get to Rome. While the words small and great, there are more suitable in this verse to rank, the ranks of men, the small society, just the lowly subjects, or the great, the kings, the governors, the presidents, the prime minister, whatever it might be. These words can also be applied to age, the young and the old, the young and the old. Paul preached the gospel to all. He witnessed to all. He passed none by because of whatever label or class distinction or category they might take to themselves. And why? Why did he witness to all? Well, quite simply, all of sin. And all have come short of the glory of God. And all need to repent and trust in Jesus Christ if they are to be saved. There's the scope of his witnessing. And by God's help, we as this congregation have been enabled to witness to all. We haven't shunned to declare to all, to young and old, the gospel of Christ. The need to repent and believe on him. And that's what we ought to continue to do. No class distinction, no community should ever hinder us from sharing the gospel with them. The scope of his witnessing. Then we have the source of his witnessing. Verse 22, for he goes on to say, saying none other things than those that the prophets and Moses did say should come. The source of material from which Paul witnessed was the scripture. It was the scripture. Now this the apostle mentions in opposition to the charge that was brought against him in Jerusalem. 
that he spoke against the law of Moses, that he spoke against the temple, that he spoke against the people of the Jews. That was a charge that was often brought against the apostle. Same thing was said in, in Corinth. Read that in Acts 13 and the, or 18 and verse 13. It said of him, This fellow persuadeth men to worship God contrary to the law. But Paul was bringing no new doctrine. Rather, what he taught was perfectly agreeable to the writings of Moses and the prophets. And this is something that Peter himself had done on Pentecost and then later when he stood up in Solomon's porch. Acts chapter 3 and verse 18, But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Jesus Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Through his ministry, the apostle Paul, he used the Old Testament scriptures as a source of his material to witness. Thessalonica, Acts 17 verse 2, Read that Paul went unto them and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of what? His tremendous intellect, his own experience, out of the Scriptures. Why did he do this? Well, it was because he knew that it was the Scriptures that contained the substance, the substance of his witnessing. And that takes us into verse 23. Because it says there that Christ should suffer. And that he should be the first that should rise from the dead. And should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. What was the substance of his witnessing? The scope was all that he met. The source was the scriptures. What was the substance? Christ, his person, his work. That's the substance of Paul's message for he is the one of whom the Scriptures testify, as Christ said himself, John 5, 39. There are many references that I could use to support that. The words of Jesus himself, Luke 24. But in John 1, verse 45, we read this. Philip findeth Nathanael and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. If you look at verse 23, we have and find three key aspects concerning Christ that Paul bore witness of. If we're going to witness for Christ, here's three things that we need to tell others about Christ. His humiliation, that Christ should suffer. His exaltation, and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead. And then there is his presentation. And should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Christ needed to be preached unto the people. And that was Paul's activity. Again, this year that's gone past. We have, as a congregation, endeavored to witness. And we have used the scripture as our source for our witnessing. And the word of God has gone out in various ways through sermons and preaching and open-air ministry and gospel tracts and, and memory verses going home and on all these different ways, the Word of God is disseminated among the people and we have sought and endeavored to have Christ as the center. And that's what we should always pray, that Christ will always be the substance of the message that is proclaimed. The apostle obtained help in order to maintain 
his witness for Christ. Now, in a few moments, we're going to have a review of 2023 and everything that has been done. We say it's because we obtained the help of the Lord. And we continue on to this day. And why do we do so? In order that Christ would be made known. May we pray that the Lord would enable us to continue. And the Lord will enable us to continue to witness to small and great from the Word of God the things concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow in prayer. Just a brief word of prayer. We'll sing a hymn, and then we will uh, have the review of the year in pictures, and then the Reverend Greer will come and make some announcements. Let's, let's bow in prayer. Eternal God and loving Father, we thank Thee we can look back and say we have obtained help of God. Lord, if we were left to ourselves, as many things we faced, challenges, difficulties, labors, pressures, Daily pressures of life, Lord, we would have so readily dropped out of the race. And yet, Lord, we thank Thee for Thy help. We thank Thee, Lord, that we do continue on to this day. And that's only by Thy grace. It's grace that's brought us safe thus far to this very point. And, Lord, we know it'll be grace that'll bring us home. Help us as individuals and collectively as a congregation to witness to both small and great those things that we find in the Scripture concerning Jesus Christ. And may we see thy blessing upon our labor and for many souls to be gathered into the kingdom. Bless us, Lord, and do our hearts good. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen.